Hi, my name is Andrew Chamberlain and I'm a writer and creative writing tutor and you are listening to episode 10 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. If you listen to the last episode, you will know that I've had a break from the podcast while I regrouped and decided what I'd be focusing on next. I've had a number of suggestions, thought about what I'm going to do, and now I'm back with some new material which I'll be presenting using the same guiding principles as I applied in the first episodes. So over the rest of 2014, I'm going to be talking about a range of topics under the general headings of character, plot, setting, theme, style, publishing your own work, and the writer's life, which is going to be a kind of bucket for anything that I can't put anywhere else. I'm starting with the subject of character, and I'll be focusing on that for the next few episodes. And part of my inspiration for this podcast, and therefore due credit, goes to Nancy Cress. Nancy is a Hugo and Nebula award-winning science fiction writer who spoke at the recent Paradise Icon workshop. Nancy gave a fascinating talk at the workshop on writing a successful character. So this week I'm going to be talking about the first of what I think are the two most important aspects to character development for writers. And those aspects are, one, that your character has integrity, and two, that they are an individual. And when I use the word integrity, I'm not saying that your characters have to be people of integrity, as in highly moral people who care for the planet and are kind to animals and phone their mum every week. That's not quite what I mean. What I mean is that as characters, they must have the two core features that will make a character function effectively in the mind of the reader. And those two core features are plausibility and consistency. So over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be looking at character integrity and characters as individuals. I'm going to be focusing on integrity today, and I'm going to split that into two areas, plausibility and consistency. And characters have to be believable and consistent in the way they act, the things they believe, their motivations and choices. Although the big qualifier I'd put on that is that they have to be believable and consistent within the context of the world that they exist in. As readers, we want our characters to act in a way that complements what we've seen them do so far and fits with the understanding that we're building of them. So that's enough chat. Let's get down to some examples. And I want to give out a bit of a spoiler alert for all of my examples today. Not least this first one, which comes from the first book in the Hunger Games series by Suzanne Collins. At the start of the first book, we read that the world in which our hero, Katniss Everdeen, inhabits is one where there are 12 districts and a capital city. Each of the districts must submit two of their children, a girl and a boy, to the Hunger Games, a kind of gladiatorial fight to the death over a vast arena. Katniss's younger sister is chosen to go into the games and thereby face certain death. I'm going to read to you now a short passage from the book which will tell you what happens. Somewhere far away, I can hear the crowd murmuring unhappily, as they always do when a 12-year-old gets chosen, because no one thinks this is fair. And then I see her, the blood drained from her face, hands clenched in fists at her sides, walking with stiff, small steps up towards the stage, passing me, and I see the back of her blouse has become untucked and hangs out over her shirt. It's this detail, the untucked blouse forming a duck's tail, that brings me back to myself. Prim! The strangled cry comes out of my throat and my muscles begin to move again. Prim! I don't need to shove through the crowd. The other kids make way immediately, allowing me a straight path to the stage. I reach her just as she is about to mount the steps. With one sweep of my arm, I push her behind me. 
I volunteer, I gasp. I volunteer as tribute. And I think it's in that moment that we really find out something important about who Katniss really is. A person who loves her sister so much that she will give her own life in her sister's place. So let's think for a moment about whether that act is plausible and consistent. Is it plausible? Well, yes, it probably is. We can believe that some older sisters might volunteer themselves to stand in a dangerous place instead of their siblings. But is it consistent with what we know about Katniss, even from the first few pages of the book? Again, the answer is yes, because the writer has already given us some clues as to Katniss's character and motivations. And I want to quote from two short passages earlier on in the book to show you what I mean by this. In chapter one, we read this. I protect Prim in every way I can, but I'm powerless against the reaping. The anguish I always feel when she's in pain wells up in my chest and threatens to register on my face. I notice her blouse has pulled out from her skirt in the back again and force myself to stay calm. Tuck your tail in, little duck, I say, smoothing the blouse back in place. So that paragraph is one of the cues which the author gives us to show us just how much Katniss, the older sister, loves her younger sister, Prim. And you may have noticed that the author even revisits this particular little descriptive feature, which is that Prim's blouse pulls out of her skirt. She mentions it in chapter one, and then she mentions it again at that key point later on where we see Katniss volunteering to stand in her sister's place. And in fact, if you go to the very beginning of the book, the very first few words, you can see how the author sets up this relationship between the older sister and the younger sister right from the very start. Here is how the book begins. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. My fingers stretch out, seeking Prim's warmth, but finding only the rough canvas cover of the mattress. She must have had bad dreams and climbed in with her mother. Of course she did. This is the day of the reaping. So the author has created a plausible character. Right from the very beginning, in that first chapter, we see that Katniss is an older sister who cares for and loves her younger sister. And we believe that. That's a, that's a plausible concept. And therefore, it is consistent with what we know already about Katniss, that in the second chapter, she should be the one who volunteers in place of her younger sister to go to the games. And now to show you that this works for bad guys as well as good ones, I'm going to turn to the world of Harry Potter. And one of the most wonderfully evil characters in that series is Bellatrix Lestrange. So what do we know about Bellatrix? Is her character plausible and consistent? Well, we know that Bellatrix is fanatically devoted to Lord Voldemort, supposedly more so than to her husband. Her appearance is somewhat emaciated, and she doesn't desert Voldemort after his failed confrontation with the infant Harry Potter. And as a result of this, she eventually ends up in prison in Azkaban. We also find out later in the series that she positively delights in killing her cousin Sirius Black. So is this plausible? Can we believe in a person who idolises a charismatic but evil leader? Well, experience of life tells us that yes, that is quite possible. And given that, can we believe that this particular character would stay loyal to such a leader even when he seems defeated? And again, the answer is yes, that does seem plausible. But I'd come back to the qualifier I mentioned earlier. It's plausible within the context of the story. And if that is true, would we believe that Bellatrix would have doubts about others and their loyalty to her leader, as Bellatrix does about Snape. Again, yes, we can believe that. We can believe that somebody who is fanatically loyal might, as a part of their character, 
have doubts about the degree of loyalty that others would show to their beloved leader. Okay, she's a plausible character. Is she consistent? Well, yes, she is. We see a theme in Bellatrix's life, which is that because she is fiercely loyal to Voldemort, if others in her family are not loyal, she is especially unforgiving. So she ends up, during the course of the books, killing her cousin, Sirius Black, and her niece, Nymphadora Tonks. Is she a nice person? No. Is her character consistent? Yes. Therefore, the character has integrity. Now, because plausibility and consistency are so important in the development of a character, this makes character development within the story a rather tricky art. Characters can do seemingly unexpected things. They can develop and change their minds, but there has to be a reason for it. What the reader does not want is to see a character who suddenly and inexplicably changes their worldview, changes their mind, suddenly becomes loyal or suddenly becomes disloyal especially if it's done for the convenience of the plot. At that point, the character becomes probably not plausible and definitely not consistent. But if you're careful, you can have a character change their mind, develop, go on a different course. And for my final example, I want to stick with classic pieces of literature that most people will know. So I've gone for something from Lord of the Rings. And by the end of this epic tale, we've got to know the way of hobbits very well, especially Frodo, the ring bearer. We know that halflings or hobbits are quiet pastoral people, the sort who would go unnoticed most of the time and that's entirely consistent with the story since the ring lies safe in Bilbo's house for many years. And we know that Frodo, like his uncle Bilbo, seems to have a strong resistance to the persuasive ways of the ring. Again, we can believe this. Halflings have a curious disinterest in selfish power, making them resistant to the ring's chief temptation. Then, at the end of the story, even though Frodo has carried this ring hundreds of miles all the way to Mordor with his friend Sam at his side, and even though he has travelled all that way with the clear intention of throwing the ring into the cracks of doom and destroying it forever, we find at the last that this happens. I'm going to quote from the book. Then Frodo stirred and spoke with a clear voice, indeed with a voice clearer and more powerful than Sam had ever heard him use. And it rose above the throb and turmoil of Mount Doom, ringing in the roof and walls. I have come, he said, but I do not choose now to do what I came to do. I will not do this deed. The ring is mine. And suddenly, as he set it on his finger, he vanished from Sam's sight. Sam gasped, but he had no chance to cry out, for at that moment many things happened. And what Tolkien achieves here is to hit that sweet spot which all of us authors want to find. He has introduced something which around this character which is both surprising and believable. If you can surprise your reader with a character, but do it in a way which is perfectly plausible, perfectly consistent, then you have success. Frodo's reaction is plausible because we have seen others in the story, like Boromir, for example, seduced by the ring. We have seen all that Frodo has had to endure to get to the point where he can destroy the ring. We know that he's tired. We know that he's thirsty. We know that he's exhausted. And we know that others, like Isildur, have also been at this point and failed to destroy the ring. We know that it is possible to fail. And so, although the story has developed in a slightly surprising way, and in fact Frodo's character has developed in a sense in the fact that he has succumbed to temptation, this is plausible and consistent with all we know about the context. So, characters need to have integrity, and that means that they have to be both plausible and consistent. This does not mean that they can't develop, and it doesn't mean that they can only fail or only succeed. 
and it certainly doesn't mean that they can't change their minds. But all of these things must happen for a reason, and the reader needs to understand that reason and believe that it is possible and reasonable for that character to go through the journey, to go through the process that they've been through. So this week we've looked at how plausibility or believability of a character and their consistency are both key elements to the character having integrity. Next I'm going to look at the other main feature, the main requirement for a character, which is that they are an individual. And in this episode I have referred to Nancy Cress's lecture at the Paradise Icon Workshop and you can pick up that as a podcast from Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing Podcasts episode 260 and you can find out more, more about Nancy at www.sff.net slash people slash nancress which is n-a-n-k-r-e-s-s and in this episode I have quoted from The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins published by Scholastic The Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling published by Bloomsbury and The Lord of the Rings The Return of the King by J.R.R. Tolkien published by HarperCollins. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please do leave any comments or constructive criticism. You can go to goodreads.com and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt group there. We're also on Twitter at Writers Toolbelt and you can email me at andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. My thanks as ever to the guys from podcastthemes.com for the theme music. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye.